0: Well hello everybody and welcome to this the latest episode of the HR Check Chat video podcast and with me today we have a very special guest. It is Jeff Webb who is Vice President Solutions Product and Marketing Strategy at iSolved. Welcome Jeff. Hey thanks for having me Brent. Yeah yeah absolutely absolutely I'm really really looking forward to uh, today's podcast. Um, There's a lot of well, ISOft came out with or is about to come out with a, uh, a report, and it's called uh, Pause, Pivot, or Plan, HR mm-hmm. Trends for 2023. And that's what we're going to focus on today. And I understand there's a lot of really good uh, data in there, and I've had a chance to peruse the report, and I have to agree. Um, and maybe we could start off there. Um, after, maybe you just share a little bit about yourself, Jeff, um, and your role at iSolved, uh, maybe to just give folks kind of a glimpse into uh, in, into uh, what you do and a little bit of context here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So, well, my role at iSolved is really to provide a kind of a linkage between, um, you know, the sort of the strategy for the the technology, the software, and the services that we we bring to market. And, you know, from from an iSolved perspective, it's it's very much important for us that we are you know we marry both the technology on the one hand and the the services that we deliver on the other, all that that our partners deliver um, because it, you know we strongly believe that technology and services together are really important that that's how you solve a problem. It's not just with throwing technology at it. but but again, for that side of the the organization, um you know, it's to provide that kind of linkage between those things and the the rest of the world. So in other words, to both help, our business describe more fully and correctly and accurately and pointedly what it is we do and why we're doing it. And what's the sort of, you know, what drives the, the way that we we go to market, the way we think about technology, the way we work with our customers. And also then to provide the sort of the inbound aspect of that, to spend time talking to our customers, which I do a lot, to talk to people like yourselves, uh, you know, who, who are industry thought leaders who are really looking to the future of the way the technology and the services are, are delivering um, solutions to some of the biggest challenges that HR people face today and in the future and make sure that that information is coming back into ISOL so that it continues to shape the direction that we take the, the things that we do to help our customers be successful. So it's really a sort of a, a two-way communication um role and, and from that perspective it's fascinating. And I get to see sort of the cool new technology. I get to look at the the services and things that we and our partners are delivering. And I also get to talk to customers and and thought leaders and influencers like yourselves on what's interesting and what's going to be driving the future. So I'm it's actually it's a great job. I love the job. I got to be honest
0: it sounds like a great job <laughs> and to be frank you know uh we really enjoy uh speaking with folks um like you on the solution provider side of things and especially with Isol. to be completely candid uh you folks are really on top of things in terms of having your pulse on the market and uh projecting the right kind of um uh, brand uh in my opinion as an analyst and uh and i you know Speaking with customers is so important and I know this is a little bit of a tangent from what we want to talk to uh, talk about uh, today, but, but I think it's worth just underscoring. That's so important for a vendor to really understand uh, their users and what their needs are um, and to, to be developing your own solution based on that sort of instead of in a bubble or in a vacuum and you know we've spoken with a lot of iSolve customers ourselves um, here at 360 insights and all, users of other vendor solutions uh so we we also like to kind of bring that that insight into what we do and the thought leadership that we develop so um yeah, yeah very interesting stuff now this is actually a great segue into the um into the report which again is called pause pivot or plan hr mm-hmm. trends for 2023 um can you tell us just a little bit about the survey and just the report in general. I know we have a few things we want to dive into here. Sure. Lots of interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, it is. It's a great survey. And when we actually publish the, the full results, um, I you know strongly recommend anybody to take a look at it. I think it's um, it's actually quite fascinating. And I think we're at that kind of we're at a sort of a pivotal point, I think, in between what has happened in the world of employment, the, the changing sort of way people think about their jobs, their expectations, um, and the way that businesses think about and interact with employees, right, the way that that had been, and what is to come, right? And I think, you know, we, we've we seen the pandemic as a, a forcing factor and an accelerant in a lot of the changes. Um, we're sort of post-pandemic, we've seen the great resignation that occurred as a result of things that happen during the, the pandemic itself. I think we're now at the sort of the post great resignation world. And I think we're into what is next. And as a result, I think this survey is, is a really interesting window into the experience of, um, of employees as they think about what's happening now within the context of what's happened in the past, but also what's going to happen in the future. So we you know, we do this. It's funny. We talk. We were just talking about it the importance of talking to customers. And and as a as a company, you have to stay grounded in the reality of the day to day lives of the people who you're working towards. You're working for, right? Which is our customers. Um, in this case, you know, we survey. It's a little less. It's a shade less than a thousand uh, employees across the U.S. in Almost every industry that you can think of. Uh, so there's a very broad range of industries, everything from you know, retail to healthcare to legal services to manufacturing and so on and so on. Um, and really ask a, a range of questions around their experience, what's, what's important to them right now, how do they feel about their employer, how do they feel about you know, the, the nature of their work and so on. Um, again, there's a really good insight into what's what's happening today, but also as we think about both the past and the future, and the trends that we're seeing emerging in both the sort of again both post 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 pandemic and post great resignation world.
0: Yeah, I like what you're saying there about sort of we're we're right at we've just exited. I think I think you're right. The the great resignation or yeah. split this way that the phase of time that can be defined as a great resignation there's still a lot of resignation going on oh yeah something (laughs) 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 but it's it's and now it's become par for the course almost um and and one of the things is that that's so uh compelling about some of the findings in this report is is how they how they trying to reconcile them with some of the other things going on the macroeconomic conditions mm-hmm. because we' we're, we're not exactly in a booming economy right now and it but it's really it's kind of um I'll, I'll use the words it almost seems like kind of a schizophrenic um, economy I don't I, I hope it's okay that I use that word but but it's mm-hmm. some of it some of it is kind of you know booming or, or not not booming and some of it is, some other pockets, you know, having some problems. We saw some big layoffs in, like, the big, like, top tier, global tier, high tech companies. But then there are a lot of other companies in high tech software that are hiring. There are other pocket pockets of the market space that, uh, excuse me, and the, the the market in general that are hiring and having a talent shortage. So, you know, it's it's interesting. One of the um one of the findings was that uh, I think two thousand twenty two. This this was conducted in Q four of two thousand twenty two, I believe. Correct? Right. It was right
1: at the end of last year, and so right at the beginning, finishing up right at the beginning of this year.
0: Yeah. So we were seeing essentially the same sort of news that we're seeing now around economic mm-hmm. conditions. Still we still we saw, you know, just shy of fifty percent, according to this survey, of uh, employees that are tempted to look for a new job. Um, yeah. I guess you could say they could be tempted, even though they're thinking, "Well, I wonder if there really is one out there." Um, but that's actually not changed all that much coming into this year as well. So, right. what are your thoughts around all of that? It, uh, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. It, it, you're right. It hasn't changed a lot. If anything, it went, it it blipped up ever so slightly. I think it was like 47% the previous year and it's like 49% going into this year. So it's, okay. it's relatively consistent. I'm not sure you can draw a lot of conclusion from a 2% change, but it's, it's certainly not showing any decline, certainly not any significant decline. So it remains the case that, you know, employees are still, um, very, very much open to and aware of the possibilities out there in the market of changing jobs, changing, you know, changing the role that they're in looking for looking for more or looking for different. And I think, yeah, it's fair to say, you know, we are past the the sort of the great resignation. But to your point, exactly. It doesn't mean that the resignations are finished. The great resignation was almost that moment in time when we woke up and went, oh, wait, this, this not only have, have we been saying that that employee expectations are changing and you know, there's a future to work that is going to be somewhat different. But here it is. Like it was the arrival, I think, um, of the changes that are occurring in the way people think about work and and their expectations. So yeah, the Great Resignation wasn't just a moment when a whole bunch of people resigned and then went to look for another job. It was the event horizon, if you will, of crossing into a new a new world of okay, this is actually what it's going to be like. And and my sense is that um, we're going to see this sort of this this perspective continue for some time yet. And I don't know, I don't even know what drives a a change in, you know, in that uh, sort of awareness and openness to looking for new jobs, but it, it has a whole bunch of um, I think it has a whole bunch of drivers as to why people are looking for new roles and new jobs, looking to change what they do. And I think it ultimately itself drives a lot of changes in the way that businesses are going to have to think about the, you know, the relationship between employer and employee, the, the role of HR in the business, the way that they invest in those things, what things they invest in, even how they understand the things that they should be investing. And I think that that is what we will see now begin to really change over the next year or two years is a reevaluation and a reawakening, almost a renaissance in rethinking about the role of, you know, that relationship between employer and employee.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, a couple of terms you use there: resin, uh, Renaissance, and also event horizon. <laughs> thank you for thank you for that one. Because because I think <laughs> that really does, that does that does um really capture it. You know, we say cross the Rubicon or you know uh, inflection. Oh, that one too. yeah, What was good for that one? Which analysts say way too much inflection. <laughs> event horizon. <laughs> I'm going to steal that. Um, but in any event. Um, one thing, this you, you'll actually laugh. I've had a, a draft blog entry uh, for the longest time, and I just kind of abandoned it because it felt it took a long time to write, and it didn't seem to quite. I couldn't get the quite the um you know the turnaround at the end. But mm-hmm. I was calling it the Great Expectations. Mm-hmm. It obviously, it was a play on on you know this the the, the book by Charles Dickens, but yep. but it was also, um, but I noticed you saying their expectations just now. And, and I did actually notice in another report by I solved earlier in the year, uh, mm-hmm. that, that phrase was used, employees' expectations, I thought, Eureka, there's something there. So I may yet complete this blog entry at some point. But, but, but there is. There are new expectations mm-hmm. um, that calculus um, that that sort of defines the employee employer dynamic. I think sure. is forever changed. We have, you know, pendulum always swings way in one way and then it comes back a little bit. but it's never mm-hmm. going to go back to what it was before, where, you know, economic conditions turn for the worse. And it's definitely. A, let me put it this way: I don't think we're ever going to be in a an absolute higher higher employers market versus um, you know candidates market ever again. I think it's going to be much more sort of a of a of a combo, mm-hmm. uh, and it'll be a little bit one direction versus the other. But we're not going to see these stark um, differences. So what, what do you think?
1: yeah I, my suspicion is certainly for the foreseeable future, which could be a very long time. I think the there's much more of a sort of an equality and an equitable nature to the relationship. I think that has been proven that you know the um the changes that have been occurring for the past. I would go back even say you know hundred years or more between employees and employers have have sort of grown to fruition and and it was the you know, like kind of like a Uh, if I could use a sort of a gardening analogy, you know, you put the seed in the ground and after a while it reaches a point where the the seed case breaks and that little sapling shoots up and starts to grow. I think the the pandemic was that moment when that seed case broke open and all of that pent up energy of people's expectations and what they want from work and the the application of technology and the nature of the internet and everything else sort of all came together to drive this, you know, this new sort of flowering of a new approach and a new thinking around, well, this is actually what I want from work and employers going, well, this is how we're going to do that in order to keep the good people that we need to keep. I think it could be a long time before we see as significant a change. You know, you think about the role of artificial intelligence in the workplace and we see the sort of lot of conversations around, you know, the sort of the, the technologies that are out there right now, grabbing headlines um, in their capabilities that, that have the potential to move the pieces around a little bit. But I think fundamentally that relationship has changed and probably will not change back for any, you know, potentially within any of our lifetimes. I think a new new stability has reached in the, the way that people interact. I think the things that they care about, the things that they expect from their employer and the way that employers meet those expectations will continue to evolve and, and probably have to continue to evolve.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. And you know what is interesting is how the employee experience plays into this, right? And I know yeah. in in the report that we, uh, that, that I saw sort of sets forth some ideas around that um, in terms of trends reflective yeah. of the, uh, of. could you just delve into those a little bit for us?
1: Yeah, yeah, we saw. It. So when we looked at the, you know, the results we were getting back, again, we're asking a lot of employees, a lot of questions around, you know, their view of the world. And, and really what we're looking at here is way too, synthesize the results back into something that makes sense for for HR professionals, employers, and so on to sort of start to look at what, what are we hearing? And what are the consistent themes running through this? Um, you know, we really saw the sort of four areas that we felt were worth focusing in on. The first was your talent acquisition, right? And I think that's probably not a great surprise to anybody, but it becomes so important to put in place the right things to to understand why people stay, to understand, um, you know, what motivates them to, to not, you know, not go looking. And if they do look to make sure that you're still become the most attractive place to stay. And so we, you know, we really saw a lot of, look, there's advice we can give and there's things that we can talk about around that talent acquisition that are so important. If, mm-hmm. if you lose people, you're in, you're back to a whole bunch of work and a whole bunch of pain. The the best employee that you recruit is the employee you don't have to you know, go and replace, right? Let's keep the people that are good people. Mm-hmm. Um, the second was really to, um, and this comes out of some of the drivers of that retention is investing in employees themselves, in their ability to develop, in their ability to become, uh, you know, to, to sort of enrich their um, experience, enrich their career, get more training and development skills, uh, upskilling. And we've, we've seen a lot of, um. A lot of conversation, a lot of interest in you know learning and, and skill development and training and so on and, and sort of building career paths through training, which I think again is really important when you're thinking about why people stay. It is you know the employer employees tend to give employers a relatively poor score when it comes to skill development and sort of you know career pathing. So it's a great way to attack that problem early. Mm-hmm. And then the other is to um, the, the sort of the third trend was really around. Focusing in on the sort of the soft, softer aspects, so the sort of the work life balance, expectations, um how, you know, mental health, physical health, and so on. Things that have always, I think, been important to people, but now they're being very vocal about. And this, and we're seeing those as drivers of change of your employees. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we saw a lot of, um, a lot of commentary in those areas. How do we, how do we provide a better employee experience when it comes to the, the softer side of the business, culture, experience, work-life balance, and so on? Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one was around the use of, of tools to better understand what's really going on. In other words, if you're going to do all of those things, be focused, be targeted, be you know, uh, be driven by data, dig into the, an understanding of what's actually driving those behaviors so that you can use you know, analytics to spot things that you might otherwise miss. Um, This is especially true for, you know, typically overworked and and swamped HR teams who are just trying to get through the day. It's very easy to miss emerging trends in employee behaviors. And are we drifting in certain areas that we shouldn't be? Are there certain problems becoming, um, becoming real for us as an organization? Are we starting to, you know, our costs spiraling, et cetera. Analytics enables you to sort of see those things early and then put in place the changes that you need to put to, to To address them before they become an actual business problem for you.
0: Well, that's really interesting. That that's super interesting. Uh, some of those trends that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things that that I think you I heard you say, was around uh, tending. This is not the exact wording you said yeah. used, but tending to what employees crave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that actually fits into uh, some of the other findings that I noticed uh, on this, uh, mm-hmm. in this report. Uh, what really struck me was, there's one area where they said, if the question was, what do I like most about my about my job? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was relationships, my relationships with my co-workers, it was number one, um, mm-hmm. it was some high percentage that escapes me at the moment, and then a relatively low percentage was the employer culture. Yeah. And that was a really interesting one for me. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, uh, in terms of what employees crave, but also what's the difference?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. You know, that's interesting. I spotted that too. You know, it's. I think... Um... Often employees perceive, you know, their company culture as kind of the thing that they are handed. It's like, you know, you you're, you're join a, a company and you're told, well, our culture is X, Y, Z. This is that, you know, this is what we, our culture is. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like, well, if you have to tell people what your culture is, maybe it's not your culture. Like, you know, that's a, there was a, the whole, the um, you know, remember the, the, the story about the Spartans, right? Um, that they would they would never. Uh, write down the law because their belief was if you had to read the laws you probably weren't going to obey them so (laughs) there was kind of like it was inculcated in them from from young child that this is the law these are the things that you do as a you know as a person and I feel the same way a little bit about culture it's kind of like if you have to tell people what your culture is it's probably not you know it's probably not um not as embedded in the employee experience as you probably think it is. Like the the culture is something that really comes through the everyday experience. It is the minute by minute experience. You know, I always say this about employee experience overall. It's, it's, uh, it's extremely difficult to get right. And it's extremely difficult to be consistent about employee experience, customer experience, you know, where businesses invest a vast amount of money. We interact with our customers, you know, in a fairly sort of punctuated way, you you sort of have an interaction for a while and then you don't an employee experience is every minute of, every day including even when they're not working for you directly it's like that's an employee experience and it's really challenging and cultures kind of like that it's culture is you know the experience of working at a place it isn't the thing that, that's on the motivational poster in the in the lunchroom and so you know i think what we're seeing is a you know, it's the the employees are re- referencing the fact. Look, I love working with my employees, my my you know my fellow employees, my co-workers. This is what keeps me here, which I think is true, right? I think you know the experience of working with other people is what um, is uh, is what great companies facilitate. Really good company cultures actually build on. Employees supporting each other on delivering an experience that is sort of, you know, authentic and real and, and exists in the day and day out. I think those organize, those people that are saying, you know, I don't like my company culture, it's probably because it's not real, it's not authentic, it's not part of their daily experience. It's something they've they've been told in an email, you know, this is your company culture, and it, it probably isn't.
0: Yeah, that's a great point because how many employee culture, how many how many employers uh, work. You know, go out of their way to sort of promote and uh and you know establish a you know a scary culture <laughs> or a culture that's not you know you, 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 does that make sense you know like absolutely you know, yeah yeah it's to me uh, a bad culture festers whatever it is mm-hmm. well, there's always a culture, and it will fester and become whatever it's going to be, which probably isn't good um or has a as uh, apt is apt not to be good without intentionality behind it from leadership at the organization,
1: yeah, I agree. you know bad cultures are really what you know it's to to a degree you know as bad a behavior as they're prepared to to accept and and leave in place. And I think, you know, and I've certainly I think we've all seen those companies and maybe some of us have even worked at them where, you know, the the sort of senior leadership goes off site for a week and comes back and says, oh, okay, we've decided what our company culture is. And you're like, no, that's not how this works. Like your your company (laughs) culture is what happens minute by minute, day in, day out in the interactions between the employees, between the employees and the employer, between, you know, the things that actually happen. In your business, that's the reality of your culture, and, and you know it is an aggregate of a whole bunch of smaller elements. It isn't a, a thing that you at all. There should be rules. There should be standards of behavior. There should be objectives, and there should be guiding principles.
0: But culture, culture happens. Culture isn't isn't enforced. Right, right. That that's that's the way to put it right there. I, and you know, what? I think this does provide a nice sort of segue into the. Next question that I have around the report: the report references some survey findings of yours of from last year mm-hmm. uh, of HR leaders, and they they were putting it uh, right through 2022. They were putting a really high level of prioritization on the employee experience, uh, which is great. I mean, that's really important. Yeah. Um, but then we have all we have this high percentage of employees that are contemplating or tempted to look elsewhere for employment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I think it begs the question, uh, how does this, ref- what kind of reflection is this on HR organizations' efforts in the employee experience realm? I, I mean, this might kind of, this might feed back into the four themes that we were uh, talking about mm-hmm. a moment ago, but but I'm just curious your thoughts there.
1: Yeah, you know, I think a couple of things I would say, you know, one of the things that the report does, does highlight is there's a significant portion of employees think that there isn't much of a focus on uh, on employee experience. You know, I think it's almost like a third of employees said, you know what, my company doesn't really prioritize employee experience. And, you know, about half of them say that actually it's at least it's, it's at best average and often poor. Right. So there's, you know, I think there is a long way to go to, to build good employee experience. I also think, you know, in defense of businesses and HR teams to a degree, employees are figuring out what a good employee experience is too. It's not like I think everybody knows intuitively exactly what they need to a degree. We're still learning as, as employees. I think you look back at the experience of going hybrid and I think people's expectations of, you know, working from home all of the time, actually were very different from the reality of working from home all the time. And I think, you know, we as human beings, are not always very straightforward we don't always know exactly what it is that makes us happy we're not always and it's not always the same thing it's not always consistent so Mm -hmm. i think businesses and hr hr professionals um, you know specifically have been working very hard at least in in a good number of cases to understand what drives uh, you know good experience and then to to build a good experience in it takes time to do both and the challenge that you have is that While you're understanding what people think is a good employee experience, those people's understanding may be changing too. what they want to see may be evolving itself. So it's kind of a little bit of a moving target. So I think there's been a a good amount of work put into building a good employee experience. I don't we're clearly not there yet. Um, And I think we need to continue to track what 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 matters, I think, in the end is not somehow that we go, you know, we've invested enough. We've delivered a good employee experience. We're all happy let's just go on with our lives it is actually the the mindset it is the, the evolution of the mindset that says we must continually track and understand which is part of you know the the findings of the report right we must invest in the ability to understand what drives a good employee experience and we must continually focus on improving and changing that employee experience to meet those evolving demands it isn't the delivery of a good employee experience that counts so much right now. It is the capacity to to always be tracking and moving towards a good employee experience because, as we've said, the changes aren't over, right? We're, we're, we're sort of the, you know, we, we did cross that event horizon and I think changes will continue. We have to be equipped and have the, you know, the, the sort of the culture, if I can use that loosely, given the conversation we just had that says, actually, we, we care about employee experience and we'll keep investing in it. And I think that's the change that, you know, we're seeing. I talk to a lot of our customers and they are very invested in employee experience. It, it's a case of, but it takes time to get there and what matters to employees changes and evolves. And so they, they are constantly bringing their business with them. To deliver a good employee experience, uh,
0: you—I mean—you shared so much wisdom there. You know, honestly, it is. It's not. A, it's it's really important not to sort of impose an employee experience that you think right. as good as you think it sounds in your head, right? Or as an org as a department, it's important to understand. What a good employee experience is uh, from from the uh, from the perspective of of the of the workforce, yep. and that makes a lot of sense. I actually hadn't thought of that until um, just now. So thank you. I, just this idea that we, we aren't just we are still understanding what a good employee experience is. We have we have our hypotheses, we have our our yeah. hunches, you know. Uh, but but it really takes some understanding. And and it occurred to me just as you were sharing that that you know maybe part of Providing a good employee experience, maybe un- maybe striving to understand what it is, what it means to your workforce and showing that receptivity to understanding it from their perspective is part of providing the uh, the good e- employee experience right now. I think that's absolutely right. In fact, I think that's a great point. Like, you know,
1: it's a, it's sort of a recognition of, look, we may not be perfect, but actually what matters to you matters to us. And I think, therefore, as a result, you know, that we see a lot of investment in energy and thinking around a couple of things. One of them is analytics. Um, Not surprising because HR teams want to understand uh, what's really mattering to their employees and and where do they focus their efforts. The second, I think, is in engagement of, you know, measurement and engagement. How do I, you know, am I going to survey my employees? Am I going to how do I talk to them? How do I engage them day in day out because i need to build that that sort of that conversation it's a little bit like building you know raising a teenager you kind of have to start early to to build a culture of having the conversations backwards and forwards even when the conversations are the tough ones like no you can't borrow the car or you have to be home by nine o'clock you kind of have to build the you know that, that muscle memory of having the constant conversations and tuning and i think that's something that's really important is if if think of employees understand and, and again, speaking as an employee, right? If I if I believe that not only is the my employer asking for the things that matter to me, but then striving to work towards those things, um, that becomes a very very different environment and relationship than one in which they don't appear to care. They might be doing things, mm. but they're not necessarily doing the things that I care about. If you can talk to me, ask me, and show me that you're actually making an effort that actually goes a long way to establishing a degree of trust and trust is a great foundation if not the only foundation for building a really good culture of employees and employers yeah
0: you took the words right out of my mouth i'm so glad you you mentioned that the the trust the trust piece when you when you're showing that you're showing interest in your work for, mm-hmm. in each of your employees thought uh, ideas in perspectives on what is a good employee experience you're you're establishing trust and then and you're also showing empathy which is uh yeah. really important we hear about it and um you know I think back to you know like the old mad men show and they those guys might have laughed at the idea of showing empathy in, in at work right but I mean but it but it is so important today you just cannot be a good leader without it you can't run a good organization without yeah. leaders in it that are that are showing empathy, that they can oh, exercise empathy, have that capacity.
1: Yeah. I think that's the thing that we, you know, we we tend to equate empathy with weakness uh, or lack of conviction or a whole bunch of other things. So, and it's not actually empathy is an, inc- is an incredible commitment. It's an, it's a huge amount of energy is required and it takes real strength to understand that, you know, this is the perspective of other people. It doesn't mean you have to do everything that they want. It doesn't mean that you've become subservient to their drives, but without empathy, you can't manage people. You just can't effectively, you can't certainly can't lead people effectively. And as a business, you can't understand what motivates your employees. That's the definition of what really good empathy is about. Like what is driving the things that you care about? And so that I understand them. So I think Establishing, yeah, establishing trust, demonstrating empathy, and then ultimately putting some energy into delivering what employees want is how you move the needle on those number of employees that believe you have a good employee experience and care about it, and that is how you move the needle on the number of employees that are talking about looking for a new job this year. That's how you start to drive that down.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, and not not to uh, this, not to be too abrupt here, but. You got to have the right technology in place too, in order to be able to do the thing. All these things. You might have the desire, the strong uh, will to exercise great empathy with your workforce and to be to listen to them and to and to understand their engagement and to um, and and you want these analytics. But you have if you have the wrong technology in place, you you're going to have a really tough time, especially with the uh, the new sort of emerging or emergent, um, you know. Uh, work scenario circumstances Mm -hmm. that we you know work from home work from anywhere these sorts of things yeah yeah agreed
1: i think it's a combination of it's how it you know the technology needs to be in place to enable you to connect with and establish that connection maintain a connection and engagement and then understand the behaviors i also think that the other part of this uh, that needs to be remembered is you know that technology ultimately has to operate on itself on on data and understanding right That, that you need to Um, You know, HR organizations have usually vast amounts of information in all of the worst possible places, right? It's usually like it's in paper files, it's in cabinets, it's in Excel spreadsheets, it's in Word documents, it's in Post-it notes, you know, and and those things are not easy to aggregate and understand. So I think, you know, when we see organizations developing and going through the sort of the growth and maturity that enable them, to attack some of these these challenges around just distem- reducing turnover and reducing those number of employees looking for another job and delivering a better employee experience the first place they usually have to start is well let's at least get all of your information in one place because if you don't do that you you stand very little chance in understanding what's driving the behaviors that ultimately you wish to engage with in order to shake right so it's it's technology absolutely but there's also a real need to have just let's get the information in one place so that we can start to understand it better and make good decisions that ultimately are strategic decisions that really
0: respond to the environment that we're working in. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm looking at the time. Um and we're actually almost out of it. So that's <laughs> but but I'll be Always. honest with you. That that was a that was that was a great I mean that if, if we land on that, um, I, th- I mean this has been a great episode, um, and thank you, thank you so much, Jeff, for uh, for all of your um, you just your insight, uh, and uh, really really excited to see this report once it uh, is yep. live. Do you have any uh, any idea when that exactly is going to be?
1: I think it's very very soon. I don't have the exact date, but I think it's you know we're talking about days, if not at weeks at most. So I think it's very, very soon. It's coming out. It's certainly ready to go, I think. And I, I would, again, as soon as it comes out, I would recommend grabbing it because it really does have some great
0: insights in it. Yeah, well, sure. Uh, uh, looking forward to it. Uh, maybe we'll be, able, we'll be able to include the link in the, when this uh, podcast goes live. And uh, thanks so much, Jeff. Thanks so much, Jeff.
1: Oh, thank you, Brent. It. Yeah, I know. I loved it. Thank you so much. Always great to talk to you. I really appreciate the the opportunity. Likewise.